scores, William Carlson. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Now brought out by the Knights. Here they go. Left side, Yanmark. Put it out in front for Wah. Kick save, rebound, score. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard Chapman, live inside Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Winner, winner, chicken dinner last night. Big overtime win for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, come from behind fashion in the third period. Uh, two things that just absolutely jumped out at me. That Riley Smith came up with the plan for the game tying goal. That was pretty cool because both William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall talked about it. And uh, then you had the quick hands of Shay Theodore making that uh, that move after the puck pursuit all through the zone. And Marsh is saying, I was a little nervous uh, when he went into the forecheck, uh, but it all worked out. So big uh, win for the Vegas Golden Knights on pace for a 100-point season at the halfway mark. Uh, we'll go through uh, a lot of what happened last night and then look ahead to next week. We'll also make sure that you're informed because next week uh, with the East Coast Road Trip, uh, it throws the schedule for the VGK Insider Show into a bit of a tumble. So we'll tell you exactly when we are on the air and <laughs> Uh, where you can find us uh, next week with those uh, 4 o'clock starts, which means uh, 3 o'clock uh, pregame shows with Ryan Wallace. And we'll get into the news and notes from around the ho- National Hockey League in hour number two with uh, NHL one-timers. One of my favorite guys, Brad Marchand, at it again. Did something really mm-hmm. cool uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. And I don't mean being knocked out of the lineup. Uh, this, is a, this is a good thing. But uh, you, you were a process guy last night. Like, you wanted... Ryan, you wanted to see a, a dominating performance. I did. Do you feel any different about that game because it went to overtime, or does the shot clock uh, and firing uh, a season-high 53 on net against uh, Montembeau and only allowing 27, does that, does that soothe your quest to, to see a lopsided performance? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought over the course of 60 minutes, the Golden Knights were clearly the better team. And and listen, I, I know that I was looking at that game and I wanted to see something pretty lopsided. Yeah. And the only thing that wasn't lopsided about the game last night was the result. I thought the Golden Knights controlled a lot of the game. There weren't crazy momentum swings that went against the Golden Knights for a prolonged period of t- periods of time. I thought shift to shift, line to line, period to period, they were really complete over the course of 60 minutes and from that point of the process I I liked a lot of what I saw from the Golden Knights last night it was a great start it was a a controlled game Uh, I thought that uh, they they generated some rush chances Uh, the the fourth line and I went back and checked the ice time Mm -hmm. and then I went back and checked the ice time again because (laughs) it didn't pass the eye test and this is the great thing about the National Hockey League that you don't get in, in a lot of other leagues is you get that almost shift by shift, if you want it, uh, of uh, ice time for individual players, and then you can make that into line combinations. The fourth line was dominant. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I don't, don't say that by 
in relative terms, they just held their own, and they therefore they were they were a presence. They were dominant in that game last night. They had uh, 15 shot attempts uh, between the three and controlled the puck. Um, Michael Amadio uh, uh, arguably played his best game as a Vegas goal tonight. And then I went back and checked the ice time a third time. I went mm-hmm. like 10, 12 minutes in and around that range. Their impression on me was was that they played a lot more than that, which is a real credit to how well they played. So between that and then Carlson and uh, Marcheseau and Theodore uh, scoring and uh, getting uh, another great performance uh, from Chandler Stevenson, uh, there there was a ton to really embrace uh, about last night throughout the throughout the lineup, and that was with the late scratch from from Zach Whitecloud and not having Mark Stone in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the fourth line for the Golden Knights was perhaps the most consistent Mm -hmm. uh, line for Vegas. Every single shift that they had were primarily spent in the offensive zone, generating and creating offensive opportunities. I thought they were really dialed in, incredibly, incredibly good. And, you know, your your thought on Michael Amadio, I... He was fantastic. He was absolutely an engine, a driver. Um, I liked Howden. I liked Nolan Patrick's game a lot last night. I thought the fourth line was fantastic for the Golden Knights. And then, um, you know, with that late scratch, what did it do to to Zach Whitecloud? It elevated Dylan Coughlin, and Dylan Coughlin had himself a night, um, not offensively, defensively, and I think that was important too. And scored a couple of goals off great forechecks. Uh, one yeah. from Keaton Colasar, which drew a penalty, led to a goal. Uh, Will Carrier, uh, forecheck, draws a penalty, leads to a goal. And that's that's a little bit of old school VGK, getting hard at the puck. And not necessarily banging, but forcing the opposition into mistakes. And then the winning goal was a forecheck uh, by Shea Theodore. And I, flat out, it surprised the Montreal Canadiens that he was mm-hmm. that aggressive that he was uh, that dogged on the puck down low, being the only defenseman on the ice. And it led to a turnover. I used the term puck pursuit a couple of times last night, and I hate to use those those little catchphrases uh, from the game, but that's what it was last night. It was pursuing the puck. Nick Waugh on on the winning goal after Mm -hmm. Shea Theodore had done his thing. Finding a way to catch up and control that puck and set up Shea Theodore. They were their engagement was much better last night, and you could tell that just on the way they were tackling loose or fifty-fifty puck battles. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, they were they were going into all of those puck battles with the intent of winning them. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a half-hearted affair or an effort from the Vegas Golden Knights last night. If there was a 50-50 puck, the intention was getting to it, creating something out of it and and moving forward. And you know, I I thought everyone was dialed in and you know, Pete Boro in, in talking about the game last night, um everybody on the ice I think had a a an impact and a part in that win for the Golden Knights, and and you had everybody kind of pulling on the same rope. You had everybody engaged in the game the way that they should be, and you know for 60 minutes that's what it was for the Golden Knights. And I think that the the completeness of the game for me is really the part that I like the most. And I thought they got better as the game went on, e- even though the the shot clock may not totally agree with that. Um, mm. th- there's a couple of turnovers. 
in the first period that could have potentially uh, cost them, and they were able to get through that in a one-one game, which uh, which flattened flattered the the Montreal Canadiens. And then the second period, we start to see uh, a little bit more. Certainly, uh, the transition game of the the power play goal. Um, it wasn't your prototypical power play goal, but Carlson's skill mm-hmm. level and and Marcheseau, uh, we don't appreciate that feed because he timed it perfectly with uh, Romanov trying to come out and tip away the pass. It, it was like that was a quarterback splitting two defenders and hitting his receiver over the right shoulder on the run. It was the perfect pass uh, over to William Carlson, who then made it work and. Uh, there's there's a lot to like out of a game that was tense, and it was tense, especially when Mike Hoffman scored in the third period to to give Montreal its first lead of the game. There was a lot of half fans. There was some noise. It got quiet on the uh, on the Vegas fan side because you're you're wondering is this how this homestand is going to end, and yeah. it's going to translate into just two wins and, and four losses and two others. Uh, but they found they found their 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 footing and they rescued uh, victory from defeat and that's been a motto going through this. It it wasn't a perfect game, but it was a lot closer to being really good than than I think we've seen in the last couple. Yeah, I, I'm with you right there, uh, 100%. I I do look at the game last night as as being closer to what I want to see out of the Vegas Golden Knights. Do you want more? than four goals on 53 shots of course you do but you can't you can't take away what Sam Montembeau was able to do last night I thought he was really really good for the Montreal Canadiens and it wasn't a case of the Golden Knights just getting everything from the outside they were persistent in getting in on the forecheck getting and cycling the puck down low and feeding into the slot for their chances I thought the Golden Knights did a great job of getting quality scoring chances and you know I I, I I just think that you had a goalie that was locked in, but the Golden Knights still were able to find a way to break through and get one more than the opposition. Look at what the shots on goal against Robin Leonard were last night. Ten in the first. Eight. Mm-hmm. Five in the third. And then four in overtime. He had to step up in yeah. overtime, and, and he made a couple yeah. of big saves. Uh, none more so than on Suzuki uh, on the breakaway. And that was a that was a nifty move by Suzuki and Leonard got the paddle of the stick down. It was, I think he was going left, right and left again uh, by the time Suzuki ended up shooting that puck and it was a difficult save, but uh, he made those saves, but uh, on a pure defending standpoint, they got mm-hmm. better each period of regulation, which is also another one of those uh, themes going into last night's game from Pete DeBoer, be tougher in front of the net and defend better. You, mm-hmm. you, you saw that now, Toffoli scores a nice goal. Hoffman's a shooter. Uh, he, he's just not going to miss from there, uh, especially with uh, uh, that uh, they got crossed up behind the net. But I, I thought the, I thought given that Montreal was playing a little bit of confidence coming out the Dallas game, that that it was a, a nice a nice win. Maybe not dominant, like we were expecting on the on the scoreboard, but yeah. every other aspect of it, the power play. And being able to control the game and walk out with a win and you walk out, maybe it's better that you walk out with an overtime win than winning 6-2 because you have that shot of adrenaline and uh, endorphins going loose where you're just feeling so uh, great about uh, what you just did. Uh, I think it's a, a great springboard for this team going on the road next week. 
I, I think you have to you have to look at it that way. If if you're the Golden Knights, you, you get two points. You're able to get to 500 on the homestand, and it was one of those homestands where it just didn't feel like at any point in time the Golden Knights were able to play their game consistently. They had great stretches, and then they had some poor moments, and unfortunately the poor moments caught up with them in the long run. But it's over, it's done with, and you're getting more into a rhythm of what a regular season is going to be, going out for four on the road, having a couple at home, and then you know, you, you've got kind of that, that interesting February where there's going to be a lot of time for rest. There's going to be a lot of time for practice. You're hoping to get a little bit healthier. Uh, but for me, like, I, I look at last night's game, and do you want to dominate? Sure. But more important than anything else in that locker room is coming up with two points when, you are, when, you're, when you're still battling injuries, you're still without regulars, and you lost two regulars right before the game also. Yeah, I think we get caught up myself included, in the overall game uh, a little bit too much. And there's there's others will say, no, that, that's what it's all about. And when you get to the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup playoffs, that's what you're going to lean on. But this team at this stage, with the lineup that they have and the fluidity of, of the lineup, it's like we've reverted back to results and get the two points, and then work on everything else. I thought we we turned a corner from that, and we probably were in a stage where you could ask for more beyond just the win and more than just the result uh, when when they had the money line and the, the misfits were going and uh, you, you had that uh, that sort of A lineup beyond Jack Eichel that, that you were hoping sure. for. It's It's gone – backwards again and it's gone backwards with with the blue line uh now with uh, with zach Whitecloud out and, and nick hag out and that was that was a gutsy grindy effort and 53 shots on goal doesn't lend itself to saying boy they they really dug deep there and withstood a challenge no but they didn't get frustrated and then when they were trailing in the third period their best players that were available in the game, the Misfits and then Shea Theodore along with Alex Petrangelo, but Shea Theodore might have been his best game of the year, by the way. Uh, Shea Theodore had a performance and, and their best players won them the game. Yeah. And, and and you needed it in that spot. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I think you're, I think you're right in that we're kind of at this weird hybrid spot of the season where there have been plenty of games there have been enough games where the golden knights have been close to healthy and dominant in those performances that we say okay this team should go out and dominate because that's just what they are but i think over the course of this year through 41 games you lose track right like you lose track of just how many players are out of the lineup just how many players are in and out the continuity or lack thereof of the roster every single night you go into a game I think we, we lull ourselves into an idea that this is still the Golden Knights team that we that we think is fully healthy, and they're just not that. And you know, I I I view last night's game as one where the job is completed, the job is done, and, and the the lack of panic when they went down three to two was the most telling thing for me because you could tell and I don't, know, I don't know if you were there, Darren, but like I could tell in the Pittsburgh game 
that when the Penguins scored two goals in just under a minute, that it almost felt, even though the Golden Knights had a lead, even though right after that, Robin Leonard makes a big stop on Sidney Crosby, it still felt like the players in, in the moment seemed it was inevitable. Like, they didn't feel good about the way the game was going. They didn't feel like it was going to turn in their favor. And, of course, it didn't. The Penguins came out, took over the game in the third period, and it, and that's all she wrote. Last night against Montreal, I don't sense or I didn't sense the type of frustration or that that anxiety or panic that came in that moment. It felt inevitable to me that the Golden Knights were going to find a way to tie that game. I didn't feel the same way in, in the Pittsburgh game. I I got the impression that Pittsburgh just took over the game and there wasn't uh, much that, that the Vegas players could do or were able to do in trying to defend that. I, I still, to this moment, even a few days later, pin that result on Pittsburgh playing great. There is parts of it that you could have handled better and the front uh, of the net was certainly an area that, that, that the coaching staff highlighted where they need to be better and find a way to, to defend a little bit better. Uh, last night, there's there's a, a part of that game where the Golden Knights just decided they weren't going to be denied. And that's simple to say mm, yeah. in reflective of the result. But it's also significant in they had 18 shots in the first, 14 in the second, and then came back and had another 18 in the third. That wasn't a team last night that was feeling sorry for itself. That wasn't a team that was on its heels because Montreal had come back and, and taken the lead. That was a team that was hell-bent on trying to win the hockey game uh, and short-staffed. And they were able to, to do it. But in, in the evaluation part of it, which we all love to do, I don't know whether there's much there beyond individuals stepping up and playing great. Now, if, if, if you're a professional scout, Chapman's a p- professional scout of the, <laughs> of the Brandon Butter Knives. And wow. he's, he's out there and he's looking for players that he wants to potentially acquire at the trade deadline. And he's traveling mm-hmm. all over North America. And he goes to a game in Wichita against the uh, the Wichita Wings and the Durham Dunkops. What? Dunkops. You ever heard of a Dunkop? What is What's, that? Oh, what? Come on. What is that? Yeah, uh, use real words, Darren. The Durham no, 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 Dunkops. No, no. What is that? The Durham Dunkops against the Wichita Wings. And he sits down. Wait. Wh- and he's watching the game. Yeah, hit the pause button here. What, hold, on, what? hold on. I'll, I'll get back to okay. it. Okay. He's watching the game. Is he watching to see whether the Dunkops have a great game and are a good team when he scouts that game? Or is he scouting five players on the Dunkop side and then five players on the Wichita side? What are you doing? Well, if I would imagine it would be individual oh, players if i'm if i'm exactly yeah i mean if i'm looking for players to acquire at the deadline i'm not watching the whole team i'm watching specific guys and and we as media members or hockey analysts have to take that approach when we evaluate the first 41 games of the Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. 
And we have to analyze it on an individual performance level because there hasn't been enough consistency with your lineup. Are you happy that, that, that you've got the, the 24 wins and you're in first place and you're on a 100-point pace? Absolutely. Like, that's, that's the end goal. But if you're going to analyze this team, you have to, you have to look at it like you're watching the Wings and the Dunkops and break down from there. Power play, you can certainly look at as a, as a unit. But I don't think you look at it like what it's going to be because that's not what it's going to be. Same with same with penalty killing. But can you really take the Golden Knights and evaluate last night and say this is what this team is? No, you can't do it from the Pittsburgh game. You can't do it from uh, the the Ranger game. Those were all different performances, good, bad, and and in the middle because they just haven't been healthy enough. Now, Chandler Stevenson, career year. You can analyze that. Evgeny Dodonov, awesome. He's been great. Uh, would you like more from Nolan Patrick? Yes. But have you seen yeah. enough of Nolan Patrick to be able to say that and be fair about it? I think I think that I would think be so. that would be the, the the determining factor. I think there's there's a question sure. there. Now if I wouldn't. I wouldn't criticize you if you say no. We need more from Nolan Patrick, uh, whether he's missed a bunch of games or not. But mm-hmm. uh, like throughout this lineup, it's very individual based, and in the second half, you will be able to generate some opinion on them as as a, as a team. It's it's very much a question mark or an unanswered question. Mm-hmm about where this team is after 41 games. Yeah, I I I don't disagree with you. I I have a really hard time answering the question who are the Golden Knights or what is this team's identity or how good can this mm-hmm. team be because I just don't think we've seen enough of the Golden Knights playing to their style, their identity with a full lineup to even come close to really analyzing that. It's not there. It hasn't been there. And it's not going to be there for probably another, what, potentially 10 or 12 games, maybe longer. So, you know, even as we hit the second half of the season, it's not outside the realm of possibility that we don't really get a clear picture of who this team is, like really who this team is, until maybe the the final 20, 25 games of the season. Because... The way that it's gone so far now, like anything can happen. It, it, it's hard to, you know, you, you say, okay, well, in the, in the second half, you, you have to assume that they're going to be healthier down the stretch. We'd like to believe that, mm-hmm. but who knows this year? At the start of the season, I had a really good idea of what this team was going to be. Middle of the uh, first half, I knew what they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And as I sit here right now, across from Chris Chapman, I can tell you what I expect them to be in the second half. Yeah. But I don't know what they are. And that's just a simple fact. I don't know what they are because I haven't seen everybody uh, in their place. You guys uh, ever see the movie Caddyshack? Caddyshack. 
Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. It's an all-time classic. So Caddyshack, when you go back and watch it, it, it is one of the great movies and great sports movies yes. ever made. When you, if you go back and watch it tonight, you think, oh, I can't wait to see Bill Murray do his thing and the golfer dance and... Uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. When he's yeah. yelling at the chef or the cook. Yeah. It's like there's there's all these thoughts in my head about, I can't wait to watch this. Caddyshack is a great comparison to the first 41 games of the Vegas Golden Knights. There's a lot of stars in and around it. There's a bunch of great performances. But Caddyshack as a movie is mistitled. Caddyshack as a motion picture is really 25 short stories that are just assembled. And some of them don't even work together. (laughs) They're just plastered in here and plugged in there. And squeezed in there because there was good scenes and, and some good writing here. It didn't really play a role in the movie, but <laughs> it works. But go back and watch Caddyshack. It's 25 short stories, little skits. But it Bill worked. Murray and the Golfer. Like a whole 20 minute scene about the Golfer. It's got nothing to do with anything, really, mm-hmm. other than this quirky. Groundskeeper, fun though. Hell, hell. Uh, who's who's the uh, the other star? Uh, Saturday Night Live. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Those two didn't even get along. They weren't even in the same <laughs> scenes together. Yeah, they did like two scenes together the whole movie because they 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 disliked each other so much. It's just, and that's not where I get the short story comparison. It's just watching it back. There's. The the old couple hitting golf balls. That's a peach, huh? And hit another, and she hits it in the water. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the movie, but it's a funny scene. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what the Golden Knights season is. There's a bunch of great performances in it, but does one night mesh to the other, one week mesh to the next month? No, because all the parts have been moving so much. It's a great movie. It's a hundred point pace, but. We don't know what this team is yet. And the best part is, I think they've overachieved. I think it's a better movie than, than it could have been. And it should get a whole lot better in the sequel, in the second half. Well, unfortunately, Caddyshack 2 was not very good. Did you watch Caddyshack 2? No. I did, yeah. Chapman. It was terrible. I, I, I never you saw it. Who is this in it? up now? Jackie, uh, is it Jackie Glee? I think not. I, I always get Jackie Mason and Jackie Gleason confused. Which one was was on the Honeymooners? I think uh, Gleason. All right, Gleason, so it was yeah. Jackie Mason then. Mason? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I pulled a Chapman there and and totally guessed. Oh, okay. That was a, a, an absolute no foundation. So it, it was the guy who was guess. not in Smokey and the Bandit and not Minnesota Fats. It was the other Jackie. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very good. Randy Quaid is in it. Bill Murray's returns, and he still has the nemesis of the gopher. Spackler, Carl Spackler. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dan Aykroyd makes a cameo as a weapon salesman. Played in a golf tournament. It was a yearly golf tournament called the Spackler Cup. Oh, my goodness. Carl Spackler Cup. And <laughs> it was Ryder Cup-ish. It was, it was a lot of fun. But there was, it was in the, uh, 
spirit of Caddyshack. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I used to Not caddy to derail. when I was in Go high ahead, school. Chapman. I, 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 caddy? I was a caddy in high school at a very exclusive country club in North New Jersey. And uh, what, what country club? It was called Canoebrook. Okay. And uh, let's just say it was the total opposite of Caddyshack. Yeah. I got paid well. Got paid a lot. It wasn't a fun job. So Bill Murray was a caddy when he was growing up. That doesn't surprise me. Bill Murray and he had two brothers. Brian two Doyle brothers. Murray? I don't know. Yeah, one of them is Brian Doyle. Oh, he yeah. was also in Caddyshack. So they had a, they had this shtick, and it was awesome. There was one member of the private club who couldn't see very well. Older gentleman. And there was an uphill par three. And in at this club, you would get paid... Actually, you get a tip if, if the player, well, most times you do that anyway, but you get a tip if the player played well. And then if something crazy happened, then the, the money would really come out. So whoever, whether it was Bill O'Brien, had the, uh, had the bag for the, uh, the gentleman, they would, the other one would hide out in the trees of the par three. <laughs> and they couldn't see, they, you couldn't see the ball go like it was an uphill par three. Yeah. And the other brother hiding in the trees would go put the ball in the hole. And this guy led the country club in, in aces, in hole-in-ones. That's fantastic. And they would split the cash after. That is fantastic. Isn't that good? That's so good. And you know what? It does it's not surprise teamwork. me that Bill Murray was part of a scheme like that. <laughs> Bill Murray might, might be one of my – actually, there's no might. He is one of my favorite all-time actors. Now we should like, do top five one day. Oh, God. There's so many good ones. Ghostbusters. Lost in Translation. Mm. Oh, he was so good. He Lost in Translation, sneaky. I, I Bill what, Murray what was that. I Ryan? said you could stop at Ghostbusters. Yeah, like you think Fantastic it ends there? Movie. No, no, I'm just saying you could stop there. Like, I I could just watch Ghostbusters oh, all okay. day long. I even like Ghostbusters too. <laughs> How about Taps? Oh, that was good. Yeah, was he in 1941? How about? What was the one where he was stalking his therapist? Oh, I got to figure out that one out. Uh, wasn't 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 there? A, what about Bob? Was he in that? That's too? it. Yeah. What about That's Bob? It. That's, That's a great yes, one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. I bet if I pull up his IMDb, there's like, it's like Elton John. There's so many hits that when you yeah. go see Elton John play, he plays for two hours, and you're like, you know what? He could have played for another two hours, and I would know every song. Yeah. That's like Bill Murray. Hey, in in one timers today. I want your top five Bill Murray movies. Oh, wow. All right. Okay. Ryan, can you do What's it? It's a dunk cop. <laughs> you know, seriously, you don't, you've never heard the term dunk cop? No. I've heard I'm of dunk cop. literally Kirk. have not. I, I, I am not what surprised. What is a dunk cop? I'm not surprised you've never heard that word because I made it up. I knew yeah, it. Yeah, I figured. I knew it. I totally so when made you it were, up. So when you were telling us, you'd tell us later. You were just hoping we'd forget about it, huh? Nah, I just, uh, I wanted to tell the story. I wanted to get through <laughs> sure. my story of, of yeah. scouting and being a professional. This is Chapman's because... opportunity to see, to watch the Wichita Wings and the Durham Dunkops. And, and yeah. I didn't want you guys to get sidetracked uh, on Chapman's big opportunity to be a pro scout. Yes. Because we all know how difficult it is for you to get a story out. Yes. <laughs> I know. Well, this is very constantly getting interrupted and all. I know. It's impossible. Sorry, Barry. Do we we need to get story time music when I go on one of those big stories? You want like we uh do. Yeah, I I'll, I'll get some. Do you want like uh 
fairy like tale Mr. music. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Oh, like Mr. Rogers. See, yeah. I always liked Eddie Mur Eddie, Eddie Murphy's version. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good too. Hmm. <laughs> uh, you guys remember the story about uh, John Garrett going to the All Star game that I told the other day? Yes. Uh, that that came back up on Twitter last night, and it wasn't by me. Oh, okay. Uh, but it was uh, uh, it just came up because. Now Thatcher Demko's in COVID protocol, oh, no. and they don't know like mm. who's gonna uh, be be in the lineup. And then they have a um, kid that played in uh, Mississauga, played his first three games in pro in Colorado, Spencer Martin, uh, mm. uh, and he's he's there right now. But it, it came up just out of organically on Twitter last night and the, the John Garrett memes with the mask and the all-star logo. <laughs> Poor was guy. I'm like, yeah, I just, uh, we just, uh, we just talked about this. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we've got the play of the day on the way uh, from last night. Bet you can't tell which play of the day it's going to be from last night, the four, three overtime for the Vegas school Knights, And in our number two, one timers, which will include uh, Chris Chapman's top five movies by one of the greats of all time. We are continuing here from Fox Sports Las Vegas inside the Finley Chevrolet Studios. This is the VGK Insider Show. You ever see him? I did. Yeah. Good for you. He yeah. did a uh, residency at Keep it going. Keep it good. Keep at it the Aladdin. He did. Yeah, and not uh, Planet Hollywood. I'm sorry. And uh, what was great is he told stories about the songs and found out why he was called Meatloaf. When he came home from the hospital, he was a bright red ball of chopped meat. And his father said to his mom, he looks just like a meatloaf. And it stuck. It's like when people look like their dogs. Yeah, well, I'd he's rather look meat, like... He's called meatloaf and he just grew into it. I think I'd rather look like meatloaf than my dog. Keep it going a little bit. That's it. That's it. That was it? Oh, because yeah. we got to pay royalties? Yes. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, that's not funny if we get uh, nailed for that. Uh, that uh, that is a great uh, segue, meatloaf, uh, into uh, what the Edmonton Oilers are doing right now, and uh, and they they've thrown out the meatloaf. It's it's just awful. What's what's going on? And one of the biggest collapses midseason that that we've witnessed in in the last number of years. There is a time in early December where the Edmonton Oilers were one of the best teams in the National Hockey League and were atop of virtually every statistical category that mattered. Yeah. And now that has changed. They fell last night to the Florida Panthers and got clobbered on home ice to the tune of six Cobb. Jerseys thrown on the ice in the third period. I think that's ridiculous and stupid. Uh, and you're just trying to be cool, by the way. If you ever think about mm -hmm. doing that, yeah. you, you, you're not being cool. You're just giving up a $300 jersey, which you saved or your parents saved or somebody, you, your wife, uh, husband's uh, saved up to, to buy you, and you threw it on the ice. Mm -hmm. You don't even deserve to get it back, but uh, uh, I digress. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are now seventh in the wild card race. Seventh. The top two get in. Yeah. It's been a monumental stumble, and I was going to bring somebody on from Edmonton to give us some insight into what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers. Sure. But it, it wasn't worth it because we see the same thing that they see, and it is a team in disarray and a dysfunctional 
dressing room to the point of trying to figure it out. I love what Darnell Nurse said this week. Said it's it's on the leaders to to sort this out. Let's go. Well, Leon Dreisaitl gets into it with a, a media member, and then they go out and they get clobbered. Like that's that's not the response that anybody was 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 looking for there. And you can't tell me that uh, that that wasn't one of the first thoughts that you had when you saw the score. And the Florida Panthers add goal after goal after goal. Now, now Edmonton can still find it. They can still fix it. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's the acquisition of a skater or simply a goaltender. I don't think it's a coach. But the more it goes down the toilet, sometimes that tough decision has to be made. I don't think. I think that's the last thing that you do there. But. It is shocking to tell somebody that the Edmonton Oilers are now seventh in the Western Conference wildcard race, where they were when they rolled through Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Top of the division to outside looking in and falling fast is, is where the Edmonton Oilers are right now. Um, and, you know, it's it's an interesting one because, like, you know, you look at – the Oilers in that first period against the Florida Panthers, I, I thought the Oilers were good. Like, there was a response of of what you wanted to see from the Oilers. They just couldn't cash in because Sergei Bobrovsky was playing phenomenal in that first period. And then, you know, it, it just felt like for this team, all it would have taken was one goal to go in their favor, and maybe you get you start to build something from that. It didn't happen. Instead, it went the other way. The, uh, the, the Florida Panthers were able to find goal after goal after goal, and by the time it was 3-0, it was over. Like It, it, was, it was probably over at 1-0 if we're being honest, but the Edmonton Oilers needed more from pretty much everybody last night, and they didn't get it, and you know the, the commentary on leadership, like, you look to two guys in, in Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid to make some plays and do some things and find a way to score, and while I don't think you know, you look at the goaltending for the Oilers last night as particularly good enough. You also can't all you can't place all of the blame on the goaltender when you don't score any goals either. Yeah, not not when you're uh, bageled. And Sergei Bobrovsky, a, a two-time Vezina Trophy winner, who just happened to run up against since December second. Mm-hmm. That's when when Edmonton was on the high point, and yeah. we're talking about are could they with what's going on with Vegas and the injuries. Could Edmonton actually park a first place standing in the division? <laughs> like just yeah. make it end the race right there. They they were on that mm-hmm. kind of run. Yeah. Where Vegas is just hoping to stay close to them. Since December 2nd, this is the Oilers rank in these categories. Points percentage. 32nd. Ooh. Goals against per game, 4.13, 32nd. Oh. Save percentage, 8.65, 32nd. This is from December 2nd. So we're a month and a half here. They haven't played as many games as some other teams because of postponed games. Goal differential, minus 27. That's not the temperature in Celsius. That's their goal differential, <laughs> 32nd. Penalty kill. 63%, 32nd. Points, goals against per game, save percentage, goal differential, penalty kill. Five key categories. 
The Edmonton Oilers, 32nd in all five. Chris Chapman, pop quiz. How many teams in the National Hockey League? Uh, 32, Darren. Thank you. So they rank last in every one of those categories. Yeah. And going on, going on two months. And guess who they play tomorrow night? Calgary. Who would like yep. nothing more than to stick it to them? Yeah. I think I think tomorrow's the game, right? Like something has to ch- if the Edmonton Oilers go into that game tomorrow against the Calgary Flames and it is a similar result to what happened against the Florida Panthers or I I think something has to change. I don't know what that something is. I I mean, I would argue obviously that uh if you're Ken Holland, you have to go out there and get a guy between the pipes that's going to give you a save or two or three. Um if you're not going to to move on from the coach and I don't think you should but times you're in you're in a position where you just have to shake something up because the team is in such a rut um if it's a loss tomorrow to the Calgary Flames and it's not particularly close something has to happen right you would think that there would be a response you would think so yeah but they don't have a lot of wiggle room this is their schedule Calgary then Vancouver, playing much better. Nashville, very good. Then there's a, a flat spot with Montreal and Washington, or Montreal and Ottawa before facing Washington. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's not pretty. And it could turn around with a snap of Connor McDavid's snapshot. Mm-hmm. It can turn around. At this point, it's hard to think that that they're going to rescue this from the depth that they are at the midway point of the season. And and their schedule, like Vegas has five games during the break. Yeah. Edmonton's got a really challenging schedule with games to be made up. It's 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 wild. And their their best goalies hurt. Koskinen has played great. They tried Stuart Skinner and they had the collapse against Ottawa. Uh, he's their third stringer. They were really hoping that would work when they played. And and they've they've their schedule hasn't been great because they've had these long layoffs. I, I didn't expect it. Even even if they were bad, I thought Drysidle and McDavid were going to, going to be great. And mm. their totals have fallen off significantly. You know, it's it's interesting because for Connor McDavid, in the last fourteen games for the Edmonton Oilers, in which they have gone two ten and two. Connor McDavid has 13 points in 14 games, which yeah. the other player in the world, you're heralding them for continuing to find a way to produce during a tough stretch. But for Connor McDavid, what you've become accustomed to and understanding the woes that this team has had keeping the puck out of the net, point per game isn't good enough. That like That's how... That's how much disarray there is right now in the Edmonton Oilers' defensive game and their goaltending. Let me counter the Connor McDavid is playing, like, okay argument. He's not scoring. Like, he's completely shut down the the, the goal scoring. Hasn't scored in his last four games. Has two goals in his last five. And I'm going to do the math live on the radio, which is always a bad thing to be doing. But... Fourteen in his last fourteen games, mm-hmm. 
he has three goals. Three goals in 14 games from the best player in the world who is pushing for a rocket, Richard Trophy. I I, I get the points per game that they're there, and they will always be there. But he's got to score more goals. And and he's got to put this team on his back. And that's a lot of pressure, and I'm sure he's frustrated beyond belief. I'm sure he'd like to to do it Leon did and sound off to the world. Uh, he, it won't happen. But three goals in 14 games from yeah. the best player in the world. It's not goaltending. It's not coaching. It's not depth. It's, that's part of it. No, it's it's a massive part of it. It contributes a little bit. This is on Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And that that sounds unfair, but it's true. The way this team's built and the skill level of those two players, this is on those two players. And they can just as quickly turn it around. And by the NHL trade deadline on March 21st, we're talking about a totally different story uh, with, with the Edmonton Oilers. But Just to kind of jump on what you're talking about here, Leon Dreisaitl in, in that same 14-game stretch for the Edmonton Oilers, 13 points, so similar to Connor McDavid, six goals, seven assists, and a minus 10 yeah. over that stretch. So, you know, I, again, nothing's going right right now for the Edmonton Oilers. I, I still make the argument that you get you give them a goaltender that makes a couple of saves. More of these games that they have, uh, more often than not, these games are some of these games are going to turn into some more points. But that being said, I don't think you can look at anybody and say that anyone's playing well or well enough to win or doing the right things in Edmonton right now. It's just not happening. That team's always going to have to outscore its mistakes. Always. I don't care who's in goal. And the options, mm-hmm. uh, even with if you put Flower in there or if you put uh, Alex Stalock in there, two mm-hmm. totally different guys, uh, you're going to have to outscore some mistakes because it's just loose on the back. You don't have that great foundation. They've got Duncan Keith in there too. Like it's it's a, that was a problem. It's a hockey tragedy right now. Uh, if you could put it into the results category and use that word with yeah. results, that's what it is right now. And sadly, I'm I'm putting it on the shoulders of the, of the two best players because they have the ability to score their way out of this, and it's one of the most incredible slumps that we've uh, that we've witnessed. Yeah, I'm going to push back on that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not putting this on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. When you decide actively to go out and make a trade for two more years at $5.5 of 38-year-old Duncan Keith, and you decide that Cody Ceci is the answer to shoring up your defensive struggles, you want to you wanna make sure that you are a team that, that has staying power, a team that can make it to the playoffs and do some damage. Maybe you build a better defense in the offseason like Ken Holland could have done but elected to spend money and assets on bringing in Duncan Keith. That's ridiculous, Darren. Come that's, on. That's fine. That's fine to talk about defensively. It's roster not, they're, construction. They're it's not ridiculous. They brought in Zach Hyman. They've, they've made tweaks uh, to up front. They've got draft picks that, that are there. Those two players need to do a whole lot more than they're doing right now. And that is a matter of fact when you look at uh, the goals scored based on earlier pace and past pace. They're two MVPs, and they're not playing like MVPs right now. 
It's the uh, VGK Insider Show. We've got the play of the day coming up next, and it's courtesy of a Vegas School of the Night and a big performance last night against the Montreal Canadiens. The top five Bill Murray movies of all time coming up in one-timers with Chris Chapman plus NHL News and Notes. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace. What's that? What song is this? Hot Patootie from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nice. <laughs> Very good. Classic. I don't know where we lost track of time, but we lost track of time. And uh, we're way late again. But the yeah, play did. of the day uh, is courtesy of a performance in overtime last night, which earned the Vegas Gold of the Knights a 3-3-2 three, three homestand on the shoulders and off the stick of Shea Theodore. Theodore steps in and steals it away. Theodore finds Wah in the slot. An overtime hero against Montreal. Sets it up for Theodore. He scores! Vegas wins in overtime. Shea Theodore, the hero. 4-3, Golden Knights. Was that his best game of the season? I know the points yeah, were there. So. I know the goal was there. Yeah. But the minutes were there as well. And the 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 total defensive game uh, was was really good last night for Shea Theodore. The execution of it, uh, the the zone exits, I, I saw a lot from Shea Theodore last night. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic for the Golden Knights. Uh, you, you needed you needed him to be very very good, and you know paired up with Dylan Coughlin, and and that pairing really did play a ton in that game. Dylan Coughlin, 20, over 25 minutes of ice time. Like They were able to be what the Golden Knights needed them to be, and Shea Theodore was just absolutely dynamic in overtime. i uh, glad you mentioned uh, Dylan Coughlin. He took a shot last night. Like it, it, looked, it was one of those shots where you thought, that could go through the end boards. You know, like, <laughs> like Sometimes you just yeah. see a shot that's so hard that you wonder, could that go through the boards? And, and he had just, he got all of it, and just clobbered yeah. it. His his shot is fantastic. It, it's it. so heavy and so hard, um, and he's not afraid to to throw it on net. And I think that's my favorite thing about it is you know oftentimes players with with that heavy and hard of a shot they'll be a little bit more selective. Not Dylan Coglin, and I don't want him to be. I don't need him to be. Get that puck to the net as much as you possibly can. Put it on a stick uh, when a one timer position again, again. And again, uh, slam it home. But it's Shea Theodore, who's the hero last night, as he plays in three-on-three uh, three overtime. And with Nick Waugh and Jonathan Marcheseau on the ice as forwards, it's Shea Theodore who makes it happen with a great play. Uh, puck retrieval by Nick Waugh, who uh, continues to pile up the points. Coming up, uh, we'll take a break. And when we return, a little bit of sound from today's media availability as the Vegas Golden Knights get set to head off to the East Coast for a four-game road trip. You'll hear from Pete DeBoer next, plus one-timers, which will include... We're going to make an exception. Uh, Bill Murray's all-time top five movies as we got into a bit of a sidetrack uh, earlier in our number one. That uh, list will be compiled by Chris Chapman. Stick around.